0: Welcome, everyone, for another week with your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. It's Mordecai Weinberger, licensed clinical social worker, and Hi Rav Nissen. We've got over here, I'd like to start with a message that someone has sent us. But before we do that, I'd like to announce the number to call in for your question or comment. It's 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And the message that I got is something that me and and we discuss a lot about the perfectionist, the peer pressure that we have. And here's a message that I received about four days ago. When you talk on the line about perfectionist as a number one Jewish diagnosis, I never knew to what extent. I am now on vacation with many people. And the perfectionism that goes on is hair-raising. Not only that, but people show off their spotlessness. They admire it. And also, they don't even realize that every other word revolves around cleanliness. We're in a hotel, and we get daily cleaning service. For me, it's a bliss. And they can relax. Oh, for me, it's a bliss, while they can't relax, because the cleaning ladies aren't as immaculate enough. Majority are perfectionists here, and I'm from the few people that are easygoing. Now I see how healthy I am, Baruch Hashem. I got to the level where I can admire people for their inner value. I just see the real beauty in others, and I'm unimpressed by those who are so materialistic. Self-care, kids' nourishment, or extra knowledge has no space in their brain. Exercise or sanity just to sustain ourselves, but not by them. Now I can enjoy the ugly and the dirty and the nebby, as long as they're intelligent and kind. That's all I see. So those who listen to your line, those who are at least aware and know that this is an issue, but the other part, they see perfectionism as, as something to be proud of. They don't know that they have something to work on. They're really unhappy. So it's pretty nice that to get this message from and to know that people are listening to our messages. It is getting across that this perfectionism, judging people by the outside, is not healthy. It's actually an illness. It's those that are weak that are doing it. And those that can let go, relax, not need everything to be perfect, can allow mistakes to happen, they're a lot healthier. Harav what do you say? T- uh, is getting across.
1: Uh, hopefully that uh, we just uh, you and all the Gerald Radio hosts just uh, hopefully that somehow get to penetrate to our brain, to our brain. That all uh, the old idea that basically a posel be mumo That's you know, right. That's if somebody has looked, the other people defect. It basically look at the self, It's himself at the mirror. And I think this is very, very strong message from all of us here in this radio station that to, to u- use this awareness and bauch Hashem, that people start using it and look at the outside and look at the beauty of what's inside ourselves. And Baruch Hashem to you and to all the other people and all the other hosts.
0: Thank you. Yeah, bauch Hashem. So the number to call in is seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight seven one eight six eight three fifty eight fifty eight. Looking forward to taking your questions and comments, and we are going to go to Mr. Y. W. Hello,
2: um, first of all, thank you for the line. Um, my first language is not English, and I want to know if I can talk Yiddish.
0: Ah, this is an English program, really. So.
1: I think let's speak see if we can get it in English. I'm sorry, let's I think let's do the best speak, that you can. I'm sorry. I think that you speak very, very good English, better than me.
0: Ah, thank <laughs> you. That's nice to hear. A little a little confidence booster. Go ahead. Give it a shot.
2: Okay, I'm going to try. My question is, um, I'm always scared to walk in on the street, and at night and when i'm alone in the house i'm shivering
0: what are you scared of what are you shivering about
2: that um when i'm walking on, on the street at night i'm shivering maybe someone's going to come out with a gun I'm, sh- I'm i'm scared for every noise that i hear i'm turning around and i'm i'm, I'm can't, i can't walk walk
0: Right. Let me ask you something. First, do you see how brave you are and how confident you are that you're able to call up a radio program where so many people are listening?
2: (laughs) What
0: What I want to demonstrate to you is for you to recognize that your fear, which we'll discuss in a minute, is in certain areas, but not in all areas, because many, many people are afraid to call up. So do you see how brave and the confidence that you have? Yeah. Now, I'm not saying you're not afraid. I'm not saying it's not scary, but you're able to do it. Do you recognize that? B'chashem. Hashem. Now, let me ask you, are you between the ages, let's say, of 5 and 10, 10 and 15, 15 and 20? 10 and
2: 15.
0: 10 and 15. How many other siblings do you have that are afraid of being in the street and things might happen to them?
2: That I know?
0: Yeah. Um, my older sister. Okay. Now let's take a little bit. Not Hmm? not
2: as much as me, a little bit.
0: Not as much as you. Yeah. What I would like you to recognize is that I don't like giving diagnosis and giving words, but there's a confidence. There's a certain peacefulness that we want to feel within ourselves. What can put us at ease when we're outside? So let, let's try to put it this way. To every person, I use this concept a lot. I was, just had this host to speak for Shire Torah now in Flatbush this past week, and they asked me to discuss a little well, the concept of confidence. I'll share with you a little Yasai that we discussed there. And the yesterday is that we need to have two levels in our confidence. Number one is value. We need to know that we have value within us, like I'm special, The second part, which is equally as important, is now the outer manifestation, how it looks on the outside. The outside would be a shield, a protection. That means I need to know I'm worth. You need to know you have value, there's success and power within you. At the same time, you need to feel protected. If you just have value, like you have, let's say, you know you're a good bacher, you know you're good, but you're afraid. If we don't have a protection, then we are going to be afraid, and the value that we have... We can't use because we're always afraid. On the other hand, some people are protected where they don't feel any fear. On the other hand, they don't have much value. They don't see that they're of value, that something special. So they're also stuck. What we need is we need to have the balance between the two. We need value, and we need protection. So the confidence that you have to call up shows us that you have inner confidence. You know your worth. You know you're special. What sounds like what the fear is coming is that you don't have the protection around you. Now, let me ask you another question. In general, in the family, let's say either by your mother's side, your father's side, and your side, are they, is there many times fear is discussed or, or if they, things can happen? Or do people talk about building about how they're able to do things? It was difficult, and, wow, I overcame it with ease. Is there sometimes fear? Oh, it's raining. What are we going to do? How are we going to manage? Or is it, wow, it's raining. We could even dance in the rain. And I don't know if I want you to answer that because maybe people recognize your voice and you're still a kid, but I'd like for all of us listening to recognize words that we use have an effect. So if us, the parents, are afraid and are concerned, then what happens is these words get across to our children. So words that are repeated over and over go into our mind. And therefore, we want to be vigilant that when we speak, we use positive words. And if we're concerned, instead of saying, oh, I'm afraid, I was petrified, I couldn't sleep at night, I was a little concerned, it might have affected my sleep, you can be honest about it, but then share about what you did. Not, oh, it was nothing, I pushed it away. No, you didn't. You didn't push it away. You're still having it. So for us parents, it's important for us not to fight and not to tell our children, oh, it's nothing, or it went away without any therapy or without any any other intervention, because most of the time we needed intervention. And then it gives others the fear that we can't handle it, that why can't I get rid of it? Now, just to give you a tip or two, your fear about people doing something, did anything ever happen to you? What
2: do you mean happen? happened?
0: Did someone ever yell at you in the street?
2: Um, no.
0: No. Who else is afraid of walking around at night or going in the street? And I know? Yeah.
2: I don't know nobody.
0: Any of your parents? No. No. Um, Any of your grandparents, aunts and uncles? No. No. Okay. Let's try a little tool. If you could imagine that you're protected, who could you imagine is watching you and protecting you that you won't be afraid to be in the street?
2: The head of the police. uh, The head of the police.
0: Excellent. So, can you close your eyes a moment and just imagine you've got the head of the police, the police chief, right around you, walking around you a half a block away so no one dares to get close? How do you feel then? I'm safe. Good. So, close your eyes a second. I want you to feel like you're safe. Yeah. How does that feel? Where, what can you do now? Just imagine that. What does it feel like?
2: Safe. I'm feeling safe.
0: Yeah. Could you walk in the street? Would you need to look around? No. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, let's recognize another similar concept. If you can, when you want to turn around, feel. It's about closing your eyes and about feeling that you've got that police chief next to you, what will happen? This is more subconscious-type therapy, feeling-type therapy. It's not going into the logic. We're not challenging the thought. We're not changing a new behavior. In the essence, we are, but it's more the thought, the feeling. How do you feel if you know that you have this protection around you?
2: I'm feeling safe.
0: Good, good, beautiful, and that is our goal. That is the goal that we would like to get you to feel. Excellent. Thank you for the call. And then call us up next week. Tell us if you felt safer walking in the street. Okay. You're welcome. Thank so you. We're going to go yo, yes. We're going to go to Mrs. S. Mrs. Mrs. S, you're on with Mordechai and her of Nissen. Hi. The number for those who would like to call in is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. Mrs. S,
3: you're on. Yeah, hi. Um I have a question um that relates to rehabs, addiction rehab. rehabs. And okay, this my is question was let's
0: try to keep it to a
3: Yeah, I'm gonna to keep it very, very um safe. Like okay. um I wanna know the success rate, if there is.
0: That's sort of like ask that. That's a very difficult question to ask. Depends on the rehab. Depends on the person. The level of addiction that they're under. It's sort of yeah, like yeah. But the usually they they
3: do. They should have a certain percentage of um, of success or.
0: Let me ask you. What is the level of 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 people that get better from certain from cancer? Doesn't it depend which cancer?
3: Yes, it does.
0: Addiction depends on a lot of criterias. You don't uh-huh. just have addiction centers that gets better. It depends what, depends how long. It depends on too many subjects. Okay, it's I got you. Too many variables.
3: Okay, then um, one more question: Could a person get to a point where he's losing his mind and rehab isn't shy anymore?
0: Let's understand what that means. If a person feels they're losing their mind and the rehab doesn't work, then usually they would send to a hospital where it's a safe area.
3: Right, but is there, is there such a, is there such, I'm kind of scared that we might be losing time. And I'm afraid that we would get to a point where it's going to be too late. So, like you um, gave the muscle off the cancer patients. So, um, by cancer, if you're undetected certain cancers early enough, then there's not, nothing you can do afterwards. It's too late. So in the mental field, is there such a thing as yes, too late? Yes, there
0: is. Yes, yes. And not to scare people. We don't again? want to scare people, but yes. There are and certain times where I get clients and I go, this is about three, four years of therapy now, for, unfortunately for the pain and for the, I call it, generations of neglect or denial that's going on. And with addictions, it's the same way. There are levels, unfortunately, where the brain can get affected and it's not able to or the brain can't heal it. It doesn't happen often, but sometimes there's a certain, what we call in the firm world, a nervous breakdown. There is, no, there is no clinical term for that. <clears throat> but there's certain levels where the brain starts having, like it stops functioning, the brain starts getting manic, either chemical or from pressure. For whatever reason it is, it's not important.
3: but And is there, there, is there symptoms to it?
0: Of course, things the brain just doesn't shut down at one shot like today we're up tomorrow we're down. It's several months to even years that we're seeing the sign the person starts getting depressed, the person stops smiling, the person starts getting very nervous, the person doesn't want to leave the room, the person starts acting funny for weeks and months and it's still neglected by the family, still going through the denial process of we don't see anything. Now what do you call acting?
3: What do you call acting funny?
0: I don't, I can't, I, I, we're not here to do that now on air. We're just here to general give information.
3: I well, am. If you're concerned okay. about
0: an addiction of a family member that's got it and they're getting worse, I really recommend that you go one on one to an addiction specialist that can guide you and you can share openly. This is, remember, we're just dealing with general.
3: I know, it it's just that the, the person is ready for rehab, it's just not the right time before Yom and they want to wait till after Yom and I'm scared. That's That's why I'm asking. If well, again, here is
0: we're getting into now if you'd like to take it the next step. What happens when we have a family member that has an addiction? And this what is something that I, expl- that I explain all over, and that is you need to get guidance. The person with the illness doesn't see their illness or to the extent
3: no, that that them. I that I clearly understand. I'm just well, then are you in therapy? Then time. let
0: me lead. Hold on. With clients, I lead. Are you in okay, therapy right now how to deal with your family member that's in therapy?
3: Yes and no, on and off.
0: That's not good enough. And your question now—now now I'm de- detailing it to you. If you got a family member that's got an addiction and thinking about waiting till after Pesach, I mean till after Sukkot, go ahead and get help. Get it. Don't on and off. Stay on.
3: Because I was and I was too. on for a long time until I felt solid and I am doing good. But I'm just. If you're
0: interacting with that family member, you still need to be in therapy. If you're the primary caregiver, they're going to get to you. Your question, when should you do it, is something that you need to know in your heart what's the answer. Let's clarify. Therapy is not to say that you're the problem. Therapy is that when that family member challenges your instincts, and maybe you're confident for a week, two, even three months, but after a while they'll wear you down. The yes, therapy no, is not agree, for you as if you have a problem. The issue with the therapy is for you to be clear and for you to remain clear during the process.
3: Until the, after.
0: Until I'm after. Here. And even when they're in the, in the addiction centers or treatments, wherever that should be, and they come out, there's a, many times a high percentage of them falling back.
4: Will so that you at La, la Land, You at see that it's, it's, everything
0: is going to be good, or will you recognize that I still need to know when they come out. I need to be clear when they're in the therapy or when they're in that addiction center for me to remain and to know what's my real expectations. When I start seeing the signs that they're falling down, will I try protecting them? Will I try negating all the signs and dream, la la, la everything will work out, or will that, I be that, real?
3: So that we're preparing therapy for and. And, and meetings and all that goes along. I am just scared, that's all. I'm just scared that we ben,
2: might be losing You're the one that needs time. to be in it. That.
0: That's where you continue. Continue the process. Stay there. That fear is a normal fear of anyone that has got a family member that's got difficulties. That's even for those that don't have addictions. When we marry off children, many of us are afraid. Many of us fear the son-in-laws or the daughter-in-laws and think they're not that healthy. How will they manage? What will happen to their children? If you're afraid, you be the one that goes for help because your fear sometimes can tip the scale. So, if that uh-huh. child or relative would speak to you and because you're afraid, you will not be the clear, balanced person. You might respond in a tense way.
3: I understand. Yep, so basically, so thank you for that. Answer,
0: yep, you're very welcome. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Brother. And, Haram Nissen, what do you say to this, by the way? to Mrs. M. We're going to go to Mrs. M with Mordechai and Aram Hello? Yes.
5: Yes, hi. Thanks so much for your show. I really enjoy it. Sure. Um, I'm calling regarding the boy that called about a fear. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so I actually have a terrible fear in uh, dri- uh, riding a car, like a backseat yeah. driver. And I was, in I'm much better. Like if it's usually if it's during the day and I feel comfortable and safe.
0: Yeah. But
5: yesterday we drove from the from the country to the city.
0: yeah,
5: And I was in panic mode. I was so scared. But I w- I was really scared for like it was well founded. Like by the time like when we were in, on the Palisade by the Palisade Parkway, the driver was really dozing off. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your question? I just wanted a, I wanted it to say my fear and I I tried doing the, you know, calming down and everything but I just couldn't.
0: Now, I'd like you to recognize how having let's say your fear, how you're using the coping mechanism, how do you think someone would have reacted on the bus? If they didn't have the fear on the car, if they didn't have the fear and the driver's almost falling asleep, they would have said, Yo, pull over. You want to risk your life? That's one thing, but don't put my life at risk. When you have a fear, you're afraid to verbalize and to express it, that you're trying all the calming mechanisms. Now is not the time. Now is not the time. Now the time to tell the driver, You're risking my life. You're falling asleep but you're afraid to speak because that's part of the fear. Or sometimes those are always afraid, and they're always calling us sullen, always overreacting. That's someone else.
5: Uh-huh. I'm not afraid. always afraid. I'm usually afraid when it's well-founded. Well,
0: like, well, you're said when you need to drive. You get concerned. Why are you concerned when you're in the car? I don't that's hear not, you clearly. Why are you afraid when you're in a car with someone? That's not regular.
5: I don't know. I don't feel safe.
0: That's right. Now, recognize that that is something that can be worked on. That's not healthy. Uh, let, let's rephrase That's That's not regular. That's, I'm trying not to say you got issues <laughs> in a nice way.
5: I know that I have fears. I know I'm um, aware right. of so it. That's right. So let's
0: recognize that component. So you've got some fears, and when you have fears, when there are certain circumstances... You won't be able to think clearly or as other people would react because you're in this the whole time, so you're busy trying your old coping mechanism. There are times when you actually need to express yourself and say, this is dangerous.
5: So actually what happened was that he stopped by the gas station and and got a bottle of Coke.
0: Right. But what did you really want to do? What did you want to tell the person?
5: I wanted to get out of the car and walk home.
0: That's right. Now, I've just finished doing a, a workshop of, of Anxiety to Serenity.
5: Yes, that I, I, have, I, I joined that,
0: okay, and it helped well, me
5: tremendously in
0: different oh, areas. Okay, so let's go ahead, do a couple of minutes. Tell me what was the real inner fear. Let's go through a little bit that work that worksheet. What was the fear? What was the real fear? When you go into, in a car, what's the real fear that's being brought up? It's not the car. That's what we discussed here. We're trying to go deeper. What is the real fear going on when you're in a car
5: I don't know. I don't feel safe. I feel like' okay, there's going, going to be a as car you know accident and the something's going to happen you know, to in, me. The, in
0: that, in, in that work, you know in the workshop that we did there's a, a an entire page to find and to follow the entire pattern the of the distortions the the the, the worksheet and That's where we gotta go. The first thing is what are the underlying fears? What are you being in control? What can you you not do? What do you want to do? What are choices you want to make? There's a whole lot of underlying issues that are going on. What are the covert messages? What are you afraid? Who will attack you? Who are you afraid? There's all those lists that we gotta go through and identify. Just recognize it's never the car. It's never the car. There's something else that the car is representing. Maybe someone else is in control. When someone's in control, you don't have a, a voice. Where do you lose your voice? Which body part freezes up? We have you learn to talk to the body part. That's all that we're doing now. Just understand that you want to develop, one of the things that I hear clearly is you lose your voice. Lose your voice, I'm talking about your inner voice. There are things that you want to say that was made not safe for you to say, and that's usually the message of your fears.
5: Sure, yeah, I could identify to that.
0: That's right, and that's what the worksheet is there for. Remember we have what are the secrets, that biggest, that last day that really blew almost everyone away mm-hmm. and had major shifts? That's about finding out what's going on under the hood, in ourselves, that's really blocking us. And when we can do that, that's when life can start changing. I appreciate okay. you calling up and being so brave, sharing that. And Merit Hashem, you should be able to develop the voice to be able mm-hmm. to tell the person, this is not right.
5: yeah. I, it's, it's about, a lot about assertiveness, yeah. and I also want to share positive stuff that happened to me since I did the anxiety thing, Sure. is that I do feel like it's, like, fading away, like, a lot of things that went straight in are, like, it's getting duller, like, um, I can't, it's hard for me to explain it, like, when I used to hear a siren, I used to jump, I don't do that anymore, like, It goes past me. It doesn't go in.
0: Great. but Just for me to be able to appreciate the compliment that I like is, it's not that it just happened, right? You have now a system to use. Yeah, it's changing the way of thinking, of course. That's right. Excellent. And and understanding the underlying programs that's happening. That's the point of those workshops. Yes, they're not just like information. They're with a worksheet for you to change. Thank you for calling in. I appreciate that. Thank you so
5: much. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, And now I just want to ask one, because I so appreciate your input, and we have over here this, uh, the message that we got earlier about this lady, I thought it was very, very important, where she has, let's see, a family member that has, in her case it's an addiction, but many times I have it, where there's a family member that has a certain disorder, and they try pushing off therapy, we'll go in six months from now, we'll go a year from now, and that's okay, which means if people have their issues, everyone's got their issues. I, I avoid going to a dentist. You know, we shouldn't say avoid it, but we go when we got to go, same as with therapy. However, if there's a family member that doesn't want to go, I find that when the family around goes for help, it stops the process of continuing. It stops that denial that, it's, that it, you know, you just got to face it. What's your experience of this? And do you ever have things like that?
1: Yes, I think that uh, it, it, you're right 100 percent about that if somebody you know if you have a member of a family don't doesn't like to go to, uh, to help himself or deny the, what the situation, that the other fa- part of the family has to learn this issue very close and how to uh, b- basically get involved and create the atmosphere of uh, doing you know leading this person find the himself and denied and to out, to get out from the denial and above all above all i think that to, to, to ourselves, you know that you i remember the, the case of uh husband and wife that uh, the, the wife wasn't so hundred uh, percent right you know she suffered from polar uh and she uh, she the husband couldn't convince her to go to a treatment so when he went and learn how to face it and how to, to deal with this, everything change, everything in the, in the house change. And I think it's very, very important that uh, that the other member uh, of the family take uh, the, the, the control on their end and working on this issue and working beside this. I always believe by Munash Lema that uh, Praying and be it uh, a meditation to bore olam and write it on a paper and do the Ishtadlut from you and bore olam and this is open a lot, a lot of save effort. You know, this uh, like yeshuot the lot from This is my my approach, but you know, in in addiction, definitely, definitely need help and it's need a strong end. Really, it's right. no question about it.
0: Right, because many times the addict, like they would start asking you or making you feel so guilty that you even think it's your fault.
1: Yes. Yeah. I remember. I remember that I used you know, one time I had a guy that was, uh, I didn't know that he's addict in the beginning, and I took him to the hospital and I took, you know, and the doctor didn't want even to t- to talk with him, with me. I said, "You don't see that he's an ad- addict." and i said please but help him help him you know i just i was so naive on this issue today yeah. i see that really this is uh help the best help to these people is take them until with a really professional people is not trying to shovel it under the carpet not working, uh, I know, and said it will be okay. You will marry, then we'll get better. Will, she will get married, then we'll get better. It's just pushing it away and make more miserable families, you know, and other miserable families. So must, must take consideration of take care of the professional, top professional people about it.
0: Great. I, that's why I wanted to hear your opinion, because I'm so in it that sometimes the therapist only sees his point of view, and from my point of view, I see exactly what you see, that when the family members get help, they learn how to be assertive, and they see that not that they caused it to that family member, but by them thinking that they're being good and being nice by helping them and giving them money and doing everything else, it's actually making it worse. Yes. But I'm glad that you, I agree, because, you know, I just see it from my view. I was wondering your thoughts. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. We'll go to Mrs. M.
0: Mrs. M. Mrs.
1: M, you're on with Mordechai. I think you husband. mean me? Yes.
0: Oh, it's
4: Mrs. R, but that's Mrs. okay. Okay,
1: I'm sorry, Mrs. M. That's no. okay. Okay. Yes.
4: Okay. Um, my question is, first of all, I want to thank you for your beautiful share on self-confidence, your last posted share.
0: Oh, yeah, Number that was, it was, yeah, that really, was nice. really
4: beautiful. I really enjoyed it. Even though it was very much what your book is all about, it was very yeah. nice to hear it live. Yeah.
0: Thank
4: and you. I really appreciated it. Um, it's also wonderful. Your phone lines are so wonderful because sometimes you have a question that you don't... I don't feel like always calling up and asking every question, and then I hear other people calling up and asking my questions.
0: Yes. So I get Makes to hear normal, doesn't it? the answers.
4: Even though they're not... Personalized to me, but it could be a general type of thing. So it's yeah. really you're 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 helping people that you don't even know because everyone who's listening is getting to hear wisdom on all different kinds of things, even if they're not asking the question.
0: So wow. I just wanted
4: well, to nice. thank you for that. Thank you. Thank, you.
0: thank you. Thank. Okay, my question, like
4: question is like this: so I'm in a family situation where we just lost my father-in-law, oh. and Um, finding that I'm being, I'm a daughter-in-law and I'm being the one who's calling the shots for some reason. I guess it's my personality. Yes. Not because I want to, because it seems like everybody's waiting for me to do things. Yes. And I do, I do take up I do offer to do things, and I do take care of things, simply because I feel that they have to be done. If no one's going to do them, someone has to do them.
0: Hold on. And but but I'm finish off. Can I finish off your sentence, please? <laughs> it's so sure. rude. But can I just finish that off? Yeah, please. And, go ahead. And then what happens is you get blamed by everyone for something that doesn't work out. Actually not. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm off. Usually that's how the okay. end. it ends. It doesn't no, end they live lovely. lovely after. Usually <laughs> ends, and then everyone plays
4: you. No, actually, my problem is is that I end up feeling like I'm drowning. Yeah. I am falling to pieces. Okay. And I, everybody's lovely, and everybody's very sweet, and I don't have any resentment towards the family, but I can't carry it. Yes. And I'm wondering when, I'm not sure what my question is, but I, I think you can figure out the question. But I don't know sorry. what my position is supposed to be because not everybody's capable, yeah. but I don't think I'm supposed to carry it all either.
0: Yeah, so first let me share the number to call and to ask your question or comment is seven one eight six eight three fifty eight fifty eight seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight and we're looking forward to taking your question or comment. Now let me help you and let's understand in the book, as you mentioned, we got over there a chapter on different natures. Mm-hmm. I'm going to share with you a couple of ideas what, what your question can be. One of the natures is the leadership nature. Now, leadership is not someone that yells and shouts and screams and everyone looks at them that way. Leadership can be the quiet voice that says the next day we'll start again. But leaders are those that make decisions. Now, what happens is, since unfortunately most of the world are followers, that means not that I believe we're followers. I believe most of the world are leaders. But what happens is we're afraid either due to fears of making mistakes either due to fears of being ostracized, maybe, mis- maybe fears that we will hurt others, whatever the fear should be, but we're a leader, and we're not using that power, what happens is those people that make choices, everyone starts shifting, or I shouldn't say everyone, many people start shifting their responsibilities onto them. And that's one of the big challenges that I have as a therapist when people come into me. They assume I'll tell them what to do, and almost all my clients know I never make or never give an opinion. I might say some thoughts that I have, but never that the client should do it. Because they've got to figure it figured out on their own. Now, let's go take it to you. When you start making decisions and you start dealing with different stuff with whatever's happening, you start getting overwhelmed. Means it takes energy out of you to make decisions. Now you're running mm-hmm. your life. Now you're running your in laws, let's call it your your husband right. in law's family stuff. And you still got to continue running, let's say, your children and other stuff that's involved. That's exactly it, right. And that is called the budgeting and the management that leaders need to learn how to do. That means that we've got another chapter in the book, which is about understanding how to say no, that when you say yes to something, you're saying no to one thing, and when you say no to something, you're actually saying yes to another. So let's understand, by you helping out, let's say, your husband's family, what you're saying yes to is you're helping them make good decisions. You're you're helping them that they shouldn't have to go through the pains of learning to make choices and maybe some of the battles or some of them that aren't capable that, you know, to be in a difficult situation because there's no one there to help them. That's what you're helping them. What you're saying no to by helping them is you're, not, you're saying no to some peace of mind for yourself. You're going to be saying no to maybe giving your children some extra time. You're going to be saying no to some of your... Friends, Let's say some of their time You might be saying no to one or two of the other chesed stuff that you're doing You might be saying no to recognize how to balance things in your life means Even for yourself because you need to help them They can't manage without you That is one of the challenges of being a leader
4: Okay, so how do, is reading
0: the chapter good enough? Well or could you give of course, me some chapter as a star, I'd love to read <laughs> the book, you know? That sounds great. For those of you listening, by the way, we're referring to my book that came out about four or five months ago, Alive, a ten step guide to a vibrant life. And basically what I do is I've taken ten of the most common issues that we all have as humans, including myself, and how to work at it and how to Grow, but in each of them we recognize what we look like when we don't take care of ourselves, and then we recognize how to t- how we look like when we do take care of ourselves. We understand the concept of how we got into the rut, and why we're not using the positive. And then there's a ten step, ten steps after each chapter how to utilize steps how to get out of that. Plus, Makairis, Gemaris, and different Svarim, which show that the concept is really everything in our Yiddishkeit. Now let's go ahead and take it to you. What would happen if you can actually either go through the chapter or discuss it with your husband? You know, I really enjoy helping the family, but now I need a little balance. And not in a way that he's feeling attacked, like you're saying, oh, I'm helping your family, and therefore I'm so tired, and your family is losers. No, it's really like I really enjoy but what's the balance? And it might be that you'll still do everything, but for a day or two, you guys will go somewhere. Or you can disconnect at times from it. So you'll deal with all the family issues on a Monday and a Thursday. But other than that, like, create some space. How do I know If it's
4: okay to say no, if it's something that has to be taken care of, and nobody's taking care of it.
0: Well, that's sometimes where leaders also have to learn, and that's part of that chapter about letting go to the rabbi shalom. Now, I'm not using some Uh concepts of, you know, like some high madragas. We're talking about each one of us needs to learn at some level that if Hashem took me away this second, for you to have the confidence that Mm -hmm. your husband's family will survive and will succeed. They might go through a bump a couple of years. They really might. Similar to the question about addictions, that whenever a family member needs to say the no, or if there's a mental health in the family issue, we need to recognize that even though the families might not like it, or they might go into a downer at first, but we need to believe and we need to daven that Hashem will help us and will help them to pull out. But we still need to let go.
4: Mm-hmm. Maybe so it's leadership, letting go that I'm having we a We need problem. to know we
0: can do up to a certain level. We need to mm-hmm. make sure that we're balancing ourselves, because if you get drained, what will happen to the family if you get burnt out?
4: Well, I got burnt out already, and that's I removed right. myself and for a few days.
0: Well, that's not burnt out. That's normal. Removing yourself for a few days is healthy balance.
4: Right, and then I came back, and it's starting all over again, and all that's of a sudden right. I'm it's thinking, any this, this is not good. <laughs>
0: That's right. So, what your brain is saying, as we had in that workshop of anxiety to serenity, when we start feeling overwhelmed, it means there's another message that we're not listening to that our brain is talking to ourselves, and that's where anxiety comes from. So, your issue might not might not be that you're doing too much. Your issue might be that you. See I'm also something re- else. maybe
4: thinking, why isn't anybody that's thinking right. about these and that things? That could be
0: the underlying issue. That's what we learned in the anxiety to serenity workshop is we want to identify what are the other issues that no one's talking about but those are what's causing it. So part of it might be now a discussion with you and your husband. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is a family situation. I can't. I don't want to carry the whole burden. I'd like to share it with others. Who else is right. about carrying it? Maybe it's not your brother or sister, but maybe it's someone else. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a cousin, think, an aunt or an uncle.
4: Well, part of my overburden is also because my husband is also like this in the family, that he's the leader in the family.
0: Yeah. So it's both of us. Yeah, and it's like a double overwhelmed. Yes, and that is part of where we need to create, we need to get a second and a third person involved. I should say a third and a fourth person involved because you and your husband are number one and two.
4: So we have to talk to the family. We have to basically have like a family meeting.
0: That's right. But many times I'm a big believer in setting it up in advance means if you know another aunt or an uncle or a cousin or a brother a law It's just
4: the siblings. There's really no one else to involve.
0: Okay, then let's see which of the siblings ahead of time you might use. Now, you call them up in advance. Tell them, look, we're getting a little bit overwhelmed. We're going to mm-hmm. have a family meeting. Can you step up to the plate? Can you help us ask others to get involved? Because if it's just you, times the family will blame you. Oh, you guys are so lazy. You don't fuck in. You have everything working so well for you, and you can't do that. Of course you have to do it. We're suffering. We've got problems. Mm-hmm. Many times you can rig the system a little in advance. Okay. So stop planning out with your husband. How do we get some balance that it's not us carrying everything? We right. are not now the new parents. We might be mm-hmm. the older brother and sister-in-law, but we're still not taking over the entire role.
4: Mm-hmm. And yeah. the part of taking care of an almana, uh, that's also very weighty, you know.
0: Yes, and again, we'll share <laughs> the role. We'll share it. We have to who share
4: it. That's it. It's got to be shared. Who else could help her? Yes, we're willing okay, to help I guess out. We have, oh. there, see, here again, it's like I'm the one who has to call the meeting. I'm the one but who again, has that's to.
0: That's real, but that's many times where a family therapist, family systems therapist might just be able to help guide you where you don't have to lead it. If you could get a rubber rabbit to know the family to lead it because uh-huh. you're also emotionally charged and things you might say might trigger them. But if there's a neutral person, mm-hmm. that's what you want to be able to get, a neutral person at that meeting.
4: Okay. That's I think cool. I have to also work on the letting go part.
0: Oh, you bet ya, You bet betcha. Okay. And one of the ways, also, if you stop answering the phone, like, for the subject, they go, it says, can we just talk about, can I just be a normal sister or not about this subject, like, for a day or two? You'll see, but thing has to get done with today. Okay, so me and my husband can't do it, but I have faith in you. And you'll see, when they start hearing those words, I believe in you, you mm-hmm. can do it. It's, actually, it actually does have an effect, Say, but today's my off day. I'm on vacation about that issue. Okay. Some others will step up to the plate. It always happens.
4: I just have to give it time, I think, right? And maybe I'm give
0: it time, getting look, impatient. You have to shift within yourself about letting go. Okay. It's so scary when we let go. I know how vulnerable I felt, but I need to stop thinking about that I'm really not in charge and really if I wouldn't be doing things, people are going to get better anyhow. And the other mm-hmm. therapists out there, besides for me, oh, that's, that's true. Scary. the that first true. time I had to and I'm holding that. on too
4: tight, maybe, and I think that you I'm going to be like, the fixer-upper. it's
0: or... a leadership issue. It's an issue mm-hmm. that all leaders have, and that's the pressure, and that's why they, many times, don't sleep at night, and that's part of that strength is what helps them get so much done. On the other hand, if it's not balanced, it's overwhelming. Right, we but then I fall apart, actually. So it, so that's not balanced. we blaming everyone. If it's balanced, we can go on for years. If it's not, we burn out. Mm-hmm. We even start resenting and getting upset.
4: Okay, thank, thank you, you, you so next. much.
0: That was
1: really
4: My
0: helpful. My pleasure. We thank are going to go to Mrs. B. Mrs. B, you're on the air with Mordechai Nissim. And, and I should say Harav No,
1: no, Mrs. That's me.
0: <laughs> oh, Mrs. G. I'm sorry.
6: Oh, Mrs. G. Yes. Yeah. Okay. First of all, on the same note as one of your callers said that just listening to her programs, even if it's not made for her, helps her, one of my friends says she's been listening to your show ever since you started, and she says she asked the questions in the shower. And just imagining your answer gives her, she never has to call in. Okay. That is so nice. <laughs> um, so here's my question. I yeah. started teaching a few years ago as a, uh, I'm not going to say exactly the age, but I was very, very young. And I was barely a few years older than my class. I had a very, very sweet class, but also very challenging. And I barely survived the year. Um, I actually got stress issues and a condition that I got, and I believe it's only from that that year. Um, The school year is almost starting. I've had good years since, and I find myself waking up with nightmares of, like, my class that's coming up. Like how they're gonna act and how I'm not gonna be able to manage. Although it's a very sweet and enjoyable class coming
0: up. All right. So let's recognize your question is called trauma. When someone had a traumatic experience at one level, and then the every time that yard site comes up or those situation comes up, your brain right away associates, goes to that large, to that big emotion, and let's and right away that emotion gets triggered. So let's define trauma. Trauma means a huge negative experience happened that our body or our brain still hasn't digested it. And since our brain hasn't digested it yet, it's still sitting there. Now, every time those emotions get triggered, since it isn't digested, it's sitting there and it flares up to a level where it can affect our sleep, where it can affect our mood, it can affect our eating. It can affect our interaction with others. It can affect our leaving the house. That's trauma. Now, here's yeah. where my question... Now, I'll take the question a little further. Usually when trauma happens, either it's a huge, painful experience or there were some minor traumas or some anxiety earlier. So was there ever in the past, or did you have for many years when you started a new year, you're worried, will do you have friends? Will everyone take care of you? Will everyone like you? Will the teachers like you? Were you one of those go-getters that you had to get everything right or perfectionist as I call it? Maybe. Mhm. And what I always share in the programs over here is that what we don't learn to digest as a as a teenager or as a kid, then as a teenager, then as, then as an adult, it will continue growing. So the older you're getting, the more responsibility you're having. And when there gets to be a level where you're not able to control everyone, like a class, running, controlling a class is a very taxing experience at first. You need to learn not only how to manage five kids or ten kids, you are not know, learning how to manage 20 kids. You've got to have them behave, listen, understand, or I should say study, understand, and do well. Plus, almost very few of the kids actually want to be in school, so you've got to manage 20 people that don't want to be there. And for anyone that's a bit of a perfectionist, that's a daunting, overwhelming task, especially if you're having a challenging year. So let's understand your first experience, traumatic, based on the past that you want to do things perfect, and you've got now a recipe that every year it comes to the new class, even though you know it's okay, and it's going to be an easy class, it's still there. Make sense? Right, it does. So that's you're normal. What's happening. First, let's get that straight. You're normal. Now that we know that you're normal, now how do we deal with it? One of the levels of dealing with it is actually that's why therapists go, like, back in time to that traumatic experience. And how would you deal with things now with the knowledge that you have? Maybe you would have asked the principal, could you please change my class after three weeks? Now with the confidence you have, maybe you would have asked to have some of the kids leave or change. What would you have done differently? Maybe you would have asked for a better assistant.
6: Um, I think I actually did all of those things for the time being. I just had very, very difficult uh, students.
0: Mm -hmm. Is it possible you did them at the end of the year once you were already um, tense and broken and nervous?
6: Um, I think I tried all throughout the year.
0: Did you try it? Okay. Okay. Well, I, kept I kept, kept on doing
6: everything I could. As a matter of fact, for the last few weeks of school, I, I lost sleep over those students that I couldn't move and, you know, that I felt didn't accomplish anything this year. And I kept on saying, you know, maybe I could have done this, maybe I could have done that. And some family members kept on telling me, you know, I know how much you did for those students, so stop blaming yourself. Well, I guess I
0: didn't. So now it sounds like a little bit the perfectionist. So maybe your trauma is not necessarily that it was a hard year. Maybe the trauma is you feel like you're a failure and you're worried about failing again.
2: Maybe.
0: Yeah, then that's something else. Then that's one of the steps that we need to know before we go into the field, especially in the social work field, that we are not going to be able to help everyone. Our goal is to do the best that we could this session to try to do the impact that we can do, and let the Rabbi do the rest. We just have to do our Hashtadlis. And sometimes our Hashtadlis is removing ourselves from a case. And sometimes mm-hmm. saying, You might have done your best. Sometimes it's saying, I cannot help this person. Whatever it should be. So maybe you need to learn a little bit that surrendering, a little bit about letting go. That being a top teacher does not mean everyone will like you, does not mean you'll be successful with everyone. It means you will do your best for everyone that you can do, and the best for their abilities to accept and to receive. Mhm Yeah:
6: Okay, but what can I do about those nightmares and everything?
0: Well, how are you going to let go? Let's talk about stop looking at the nightmares and stop looking at your issue. Your issue is you're controlling. you're controlling the level. You must do, You must be the rabbilem Well have You must have a class, you must be successful, you must know it's going to work out, and everyone is going to learn to the levels that you expect, not to their abilities, to your abilities. Once you figure that out, you'll see your nightmares disappear. Now the question is to you, how can you let go that you're not the Rabbi shlelem? You never had that job. I'll tell you a secret.
6: I don't know. How can I let go?
0: All right, then. Now I'll leave that thought for you if you'd like. Here I would recommend my book. And chapter number one, two, three, four, five, six, all deal with that. And then the chapter about slow and steady the entire book is all about that concept. Alive, a 10-step guide to a vibrant life full of shifts that's going to happen to the way you look at certain circumstances. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. thank you very much. Thank you for calling in. Yes, and we are going to go to Mr. B. Yes, hi. Thank you for, I, thank so you for taking my call. My Hello? pleasure. I know you're holding a while, so I appreciate it.
7: Yes, I'll say. I know that the show is finishing, so I'm going to try to make it as short as Great. possible. we got about
0: another nine minutes, so actually we got some time.
7: Okay, first of all, I wanted to tell you that I really enjoy your show. It's really a lot of information, so thank you for that.
0: You're welcome. Okay,
7: my question is, I have two boys, my two older boys. They're 19 months apart. One is 12 and one is 10. Mm-hmm. They, the question that I'm going to ask you is probably a very normal question. They fight a lot. They don't get along. Um, my oldest son is in camp this summer. And my young, the 10-year-old is not in camp. I asked my, my youngest son, do you want your, your older brother to come home? No. Yeah. I let him stay there a whole, whole summer. My, mm-hmm. And I asked the same question from my older son, and he answered the same thing. He doesn't want to see my younger brother, mm-hmm. his youngest brother.
0: Yeah.
7: How do I go about this? These two boys, it seems to me like they hate each other.
0: You want all this al regalachas? What? You want all this in about, you know, 30 seconds?
7: Well, I'm trying to make it as short as possible.
0: Okay, now let me ask you like this. Have you ever taken a parenting workshop?
7: Actually, yeah. me and my wife, we both took your parenting, sh- parenting okay. workshop. Okay, what has
0: yes. changed from that workshop then?
7: Some things have changed, some things um,
0: Let's did not change. What has. Let's go one step at a time. What has changed from the workshop?
7: Um, what has changed? Let me try
3: to think.
0: In other words, the parenting workshop that I do is very skills-based. Your answer should be like a snap of your finger. Saying after each workshop, it's what has improved. And we're reading everyone's improvements, what has changed. It's not like a theory that I'm giving. I'm giving you pure behavior how to do that. Have you done practices? Have you taken any behaviors? And it um, should be like the they're, up the table, a they're getting big up in the morning, thing. they're getting dressed, they're studying. They're listening quicker.
7: Um, the choices like was a very, very big thing.
0: So say that again. Choices. What about choices?
7: The choices, the thing that like giving them choices, like doing this or this, was a very, very big help that we did. Um, also, like preparing them to things that were going to change. In the beginning, we did see results, but now it's like falling back, uh, falling back a little bit. So we did see some some changes at the time.
0: All right. So what I would tell you, let's take a step back. So from what I'm hearing is you took a parenting workshop. Let's be objectively as if it's not mine. You learned some skills, and you saw some little changes, not much. Okay. And therefore, then, the next step is to go to someone one-on-one and just get a little bit of guidance. Because if you want to create the harmony between siblings, the first has to be the parents, the leaders, as the muscle I give about a general. You need to have each general, both the mother and the father, each on their own to be able to have the control, and I mean the healthy control, means the leader of the family and to be able to to lead the family and to be able to have things done. For children and siblings to get along, there has to be safety in the house. There has to be parents that are able to have everyone say thank you, appreciative, and to grow with what they're doing. Only after there's that level, then can they grow. Now, if you have the information and if you weren't able to access it for whatever reason how to do it, then I always recommend get a little bit more one-on-one advice.
7: Mm Look, the the question is what would this one-on-one help between these two?
0: Do Do you like me to be a little bit more blunt? I have a policy that when I work on children, I when children want to come to my office, I almost work on the parents first, the first four or five sessions before I work on children. And what I find almost all the time, not constantly blaming the parents, but by guiding the parents, everything shifts about the children. So I'm continuously getting messages from the parenting workshop, how the children, how everything is different. They're using the pre-talk. They're using the steps to, to do it. And it's continuing to have the changes. And as I said, for those that take the Parenting Workshop, be aware that if you have fears, if you have issues going on in your life, you will not be able to utilize and be the leader. I wonder, do you or your wife, and don't answer that, but do any of you have an issue being a leader, saying no, being assertive, calmly and healthy, not yelling when we yell and scream? Do any of you or both of you have an issue to be able to share the love to delegate how things should get done, to say how much you appreciate it, to do the pre-talk, to train, to show that you're the leader. And if those issues are happening, then that's what the one-on-one will do. The issue is not in a parenting system. The issue is not having the information. The issue is what are holding you guys back from doing it. And when I work with the parents before we work with the children, what we realize is it's not information-based. We know what we need to do, but we start hitting our fears. (gasps) I'm afraid that the kid's going to hate me. I was involved in another case where one of the kids, one of the Derochs, now the parent's motto is they're giving the kid everything, the second kid. Now you're spoiling the other kid. They don't have to deal with a no. They don't want to go to school. And also, I don't want to push them. I don't want them to be upset. We need to find out what are your weaknesses. What's holding you back from being the leader? I have another case, let's say, where it's one-on-one, that we're working with the parents where their parents were so strict that they believe saying no is terrible. We need Mm -hmm. to find out what's happening between you and your your wife that you are afraid or not using the skills that you have. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense to you? Yes, it does. So would you say that you can pinpoint what's your and your wife's weakness, each one separately, and what's holding you back?
7: Well, I definitely think that we can use a one-on-one parenting.
0: Why? No, I don't want to do that. Harv Nissen, can you please get involved over here? I, I'm trying now not to promote my business over here. So no, I'm no, not no, no.
7: I'm not trying to no, say no, that. No, I want
0: Harv Nissen because he's an outside source. For me, it sounds like I gave a parenting workshop and I'm promoting it, and here it's not working. I'm sending it out. I'm not.
7: I didn't call up to blame you.
0: No, I'm no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I don't feel you did any of that. No, no I want to hear an outside person, Arvindas, because I, I am again. I could see some I, people might be thinking that. What do you say, Arvnesim, may, to What maybe, I said? Maybe,
1: maybe it's uh, it's look like se- so severe, you know. That many times we've been sibling as this kind of competition, but it's on the surface, you know. If the parents ask, oh, you, uh, who you love, who love you more, and this, you know, I love you more, and you love me, you know, all this kind of. Every sibling, I think, had had the argument, had fighting. I don't know if you have you have children, you have uh, brothers and sisters?
7: We do, yeah.
1: Yeah. So you never had fight with your children, well, you uh, do with have your brother, and you you don't you didn't. Told that
7: it's it's called a healthy relationship. Yes.
1: And how many times, how many times you find yourself uh, as as a boy, as a, as a boy, itself to your I hate you, I don't like you. How many times it's happened to you? maybe happens. it's maybe 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 it's an, it's i think it's a normal. i don't know you i uh, i'm sorry rob mordecai i appreciate what I, you're saying uh, i didn't think about that by the way I, that is normal I think I think I think that you took it to you to your, your your you know to your field yeah. because you see your field. I see it as I, my kids all the time fight. You know, oh I don't want to see him. Yes, I want to see him. But when they come close and you see that they have love between themselves, you know, it's something that you know it's very natural when you when you direct. You know, like in politics when you have a poll that you're asking if you want to go from the iran gate on this you know all this kind of question so you direct you answer now when you ask your brother your, 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 your ch- children do you want to see your brother you already put them se- uh, on them kind of answer now this is something that i would you say oh shall i think said i tell my father that i don't want to see him i'll do it on purpose you know this is something that's very, very, in my opinion, very natural. Correct me if I'm wrong.
0: Yep. Now here's where I would work with Rav Nissen. What would you say if the kids are always fighting? It's not just over camp. So, I think that's more what the father's question
1: is. I, I think, th- I think that, uh, that that what 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 uh, I am doing with my kids when they start fighting. I said, listen, break your head together. They find <laughs> yourself the solution. I'm not going to interfere with you, guys. Do whatever you want you want the armor i'll give you armor each one of your armor just break your head each other. you know that's that's what my approach you know and believe me sooner or later just ask after after a while they come and hug each other and if i start getting involved with this it's disaster yeah wow it's already we are. okay so thank you okay
7: thank you very much
0: yep
1: Wow, we are already past that time.
0: Okay Arson, thank you for another wonderful program for everyone listening and have a great night.
1: Thank you very much thank you for information. Thank you very much the